All right. <laughs> I feel like now I'm like obligated to start it with all right. You're not. You just. I know. I know. It's just I'm in my head. I'm in my head. That's why I did it. It's the subtle manipulation of the downfall of Jared <laughs> that I ruined by telling you. No, it's just going to make it worse. It's just <laughs> going deeper. Now every interaction with you, I'll be wondering if you're trying to ruin my life. Watch this. Okay, so this... <laughs> fucking Christ. Why are you like this? I didn't say all right. I win this time. I challenge you to start it without a positive affirmation. It feels wrong, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I just feel like there's no... Like, if I just start talking... Go with a yup. <laughs> this week on Monsters and Multiclass. <laughs> just a straight-up scream. Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons & Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Vornigal. And I'm Will Milton. And we'll be hanging out with you for a while to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week, we're taking a look at the Artificer Cleric Multiclass... Orcs Part 2, and then another segment of Ask Monsters and Multiclass. So pull up and stick around for a while. Nope. It's fine. It's good enough. Cue the music. Before we jump into the multi-class, just want to say this episode is sponsored by the new Loot Tables Kickstarter. More info to come after the multi-class segment. This week... Our multi-class is the Artificer Cleric. The Artificer is an arcane trickster with their magic gained from using tools to unlock different arcane knowledge. Uh, they haven't figured out all the secrets, though, unlike their wizard counterparts, as they're only half-casters. The requirement to multi-class into an Artificer is 13 in intelligence. Uh, and then the other side is the Cleric, which are holy warriors given divine power by the god they devote their lives to. Uh, clerics are full spellcasters, with the multi-classing requirements of 13 Wisdom. So, first thoughts, take it away, Will. This is kind of an interesting contrast. You've got the very, very highly intellectual uh, artificers who really do focus on the mechanical world, and then you've got the very spiritual clerics. I, it doesn't do a lot for me. We've got two obvious ones. There are makers and thinkers in the cleric domains, so there is pairings there. Uh, I don't know mechanically, though. You just don't know. I don't know. I didn't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, your thoughts? I, I like this one a lot. I wasn't expecting to as I started diving into it and going through the classes and thinking of stuff. I kept coming up with just cool concepts, ideas I like would want to see played out. The the fact they have different spellcasting attributes, intelligence and wisdom is always a little messy and not ideal, but it's not terrible because that's kind of I mean, it's two stats right. they have to worry about. And also then I Artificer, well, we'll get into the details later, but I don't think you need to worry about intelligence. I'm just really happy that we have a multi-class that doesn't require three to four different attributes. This is the first one in like months now, I swear. <laughs> uh, so that alone, it's like, oh, only two? That's easy. From a role-playing side, I feel like there is... Actually, a lot more than just the the two cleric ones, but you're right. There are two very obvious ones, I think, with the knowledge domain and the uh, forge domain clerics, where it's just like, yeah, of course those are going to go with artificers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, forge clone. Bleh. Of course. Forge <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Try it again. Yeah, forge domain fits 
perfectly. The the yeah, they're the makers, and, and you could mm-hmm. um, it'd be a really cool way to and viable way mechanically to make the magic armor or the magic item creator. They they take it from the ground up from the raw material to the mundane item to infusing it with magic. Oh yeah, that's actually a really good point. I forgot that the Forge Domain Cleric has that uh, that channel divinity ability where they can turn a hundred gold worth of material into a thing. Right. Um, so I could see that being used to again move something along throughout the entire process. Yeah. Yeah. Just speed it up. They they kind of have all these things going for them to really be able to quickly create magic items from nothing. Mm-hmm. So they could do it relatively cheap, cheaply, quickly, and then sell it at full price and i we in previous artificial discussion we've talked about how it could be cool to kind of have a campaign built around the party runs a magic item shop Mm -hmm. and the artificer is creating it so now you just have the artificial forge cleric is kind of the heart of it creating it and then your campaign is going out collecting the ingredients needed to do it and this fits beautifully with that it definitely does though i would probably say if that was like the entire campaign setup i would probably rather somebody who's just an artificer and another one who's just a forge cleric because then they're like we're a team who works together to make these but <laughs> sure. you could have that one guy who's like i am literally the brains behind this operation because <laughs> they've very well solidified themselves as the most important person in the party <laughs> right right and then mechanically with the forge domain with really any of the artificer fits really well but i particularly like the image of the forge domain with the artillerist because the forge domain gets the heavy armor uh, they get the um, the divine strike where their weapon attacks do fire damage. So right. they're kind of intended to be up in melee. So I like the image of that the forge cleric running around in the heart of battle in their heavy armor and shield, whacking things with a mace and giving supporting healing when needed. While they're commanding cannon sixty feet back to just be launching things into the battle. It has a really strong uh, Warcraft Warhammer vibe to it. Yeah, they're like it, fantasy dwarves. It, and cannons are just they really mix well <laughs> together so. yeah the, the, my image is a dwarf yeah of though, course yeah though the stats aren't the greatest well i guess a strength right strength i'm blanking on what dwarves get con. strength and con okay yeah but, you but know, i mean yeah helps them i mean they, still, need, they need good. those yeah and if they want to go with heavy armor they need at least 15 strength right the which, other thing is there is that dwarf that you don't need to get your strength up to that to wear heavy You're armor. Right. Which That's is a probably the biggest reason it's chosen for right. this class. That makes a lot of sense, actually. For sure. And then also you could, with the Forge Domain, uh, free up some of your um, infusions. Mm-hmm. Because they can make a piece of armor or weapon magical plus one. Uh, and also then add... It's pretty far into level six. They also just get plus one AC when wearing heavy armor anyways. And so there's those fusions where that's exactly what they do. And it kind of seems like it's kind of a boring pick, but it's pretty solid. We should probably do that. This could free them up or mm-hmm. you can give it to other people. Right. Right. And I think that's more the the important bit is that uh, as the artificer we've talked about before, where usually you're better off giving other people the bonuses uh, but with the Forge Cleric, you can give you know yourself the bonus, and then you're still free to give two others to the party members who need it. Um, or once again, you know, free it up for that bag of holding infusion or whatever. Um, I think the biggest downside to this multiclass, and just something with Artificers as a whole, is that the first couple of levels are not too great to to go into. And I could see it being very difficult if you're going the path of Cleric to stop and you know break up your full spell casting just to go into a half caster that doesn't get any spells that you don't already get. I and mean, really a lot of the cleric spells 
honestly, I think they have one of the best spell lists in the game. Uh, and now you're going into Artificer, and are they really adding anything that you didn't already have when it comes to the spell casting? Right. No, you're just delaying yourself there. At first level, you get basically nothing. It's just like you can tinker with a rock and make it make wave sounds. Eh, okay. <laughs> Second level, you get the infusions. Which is good. That, it that, is. That, it yeah, is. You, you want to at least go two levels. Right. So, I mean, that's that's at least good. But even just, you know, I find a lot of times when you are actually putting together a multi-class, the idea of an entire level being basically nothing and meaningless can be very, very hard to to actually go through with. In progress, yeah. That's like, it feels like a huge friggin' waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if you're building something to bring to a table, I think that's a much more viable option for right. bringing an artificer in. Right. Like, hey, I'm already, you know, we're starting at level four. I'm already two artificer, two cleric. Okay. You know, you're fine. You And you're not going to feel like you're lagging behind. Whichever you take next is going to be a big power increase. Um, you know, you're going to get, what is that, at third level for a cleric, you get second level spells. So that'll be good. So everybody else is getting second attack. You're getting second level spells. But you also have your infusions to, you know, start your your support aspects there. Um, so you definitely can. I, I just will, will say that it's just very hard to, if you're like level seven, and it's like, okay, do I go with my ability score increase and getting closer to my uh, fifth level spells? Or, or I guess at ninth level, you get fourth. Um, wait, what level do you get? Fifth. Fifth, Okay. Those are hard to pass off. off. Those like, are hard to pass. I remember when Saucy got fifth level spells, it was like, damn, that's just out of control good. Right. So instead you're like, oh, I'm going to go into a first level of Artificer. It's like, eh, it's going to suck. And then next level, you're still going to have to just take the Artificer infusions. And then third level, you you get some actual usefulness because then you can go into the subclass. The Artillerist gets you the the turret, which is yeah, Great. that's a, that's a brutality. Like, there's you gotta go third level artificer. You're just not getting it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. One or two level dip, not not a whole lot. Yeah, it's yeah, not third level. Second level's not bad. It's just it's okay at earlier levels. It's actually really strong at earlier levels because giving everybody a, or not everybody giving two people a plus one weapon or a plus one armor is really good. Right, I mean, that's pretty strong for for second level. Uh, but at eighth level, is it game changing? No, not really. Right. Yeah, that's why you go to third and then yeah, go like artillerist and you get your cannons and you get one free cannon a day and then you get to spend a spell slot to get others going forward, which since you're a cleric, you have a lot of. And then you pretty much get per battle a free 2d8 bonus damage around. Right. The only- uh, it is a spell attack, though. So your intelligence does matter there. Oh, okay. and it is also a bonus action. So, yeah, that yeah. that part does kind of suck because usually a cleric would be expected to cast spiritual weapon which is then going to occupy their bonus action unless they need to do a healing word or something. Um, So the benefit, as you said, is you get these turrets, which at first don't cost a spell slot, but it does take an action to set those up. So in on a turn, you have to use an action to make the turrets and then they last for an hour or they get destroyed. And then you have to spend a spell slot to get another one of them compared to spiritual weapon, second level spell slot, but it's only a bonus action and does less damage. They right. both fit that exact same role. I think, honestly, the turrets do win out because they do more damage. They can last multiple battles officially. I mean, an hour is a long time right. where you might have all of yours in one specific fight. Um, or, I'm sorry, in, in one hour. So that's Right, and it's more versatile. It's a ranged attack as opposed to a melee. Definitely, definitely. And I just love the flavor of it. 
that too. It's really it's seriously, I, I like. I'm just thinking about it more and more. It's like, ah, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, the, the forged dwarf cleric. I'm picturing like golden armor, right? Like running through, smacking things as they light on fire. fire! Yeah, it's like these forest balusters are just lobbing magical shots into the battlefield, knocking people around. Yeah, no, I mean that's super cool and a lot better, and it 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 is better than the spiritual weapon. Uh, it's just it's comparable. So I say that to the extent that you have to gimp yourself on holding back your next spell levels and spell slots for a full caster, it can be a little difficult. Like you, you just got to have some take your lumps, I guess, with the multi-class. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, you're starting at a level that you don't have to have those moments where you're back too far. And then once you do get the artillery, it's like, OK, you know, I'm I'm there. I'm, I'm doing just as much damage and what I need to. Right. Uh, another useful thing for clerics, you'd have to go six levels into Alchemist, but if you get the Homunculus, that will the Homunculus allows you to cast touch spells through it, which is great as a cleric. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's though it is competing with oh one level dip into Wizard to get Find Familiar or Magic Initiate to get Find Familiar, which allows you to do the same thing. But the Homunculus is just a lot hardier. The Find Familiar is the it has one health, so if it's hit, it's dead. Mm-hmm. Where the homunculus is a little bit more. I don't remember the specifics. It's like your artificer level. Constitution times... mod plus intelligence mod plus your level in the class. Okay. Eh. So, eh, eh. I think we determined that eh. it's probably going to be at six level even one hit to kill this thing. Um, but you got a better chance than with the fine familiar. I don't remember what its armor class is, but 13. it's definitely higher than yeah. most familiars. Usually familiars are like 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as a whole, the homunculus just isn't too great, but flavor-wise, that's pretty cool. And I think the Forge Cleric, though, the artillerist idea is super cool. There's no reason you can't go with the Battlesmith either, uh, which puts uh, potentially more importance on the intelligence, or maybe it just makes it more worthwhile to go for, because you can replace your weapon attack bonus with intelligence instead of strength or dex. Um, So that can definitely have some payoff, and... You can't cast spells through your your robo dog. I don't remember the name of it. Steel Defender. But it still is a very, very good for support. Yeah. Um, which the cleric generally has a very support feel to them. Um, so you can either get the the boisterous one type of forge cleric dwarf who's, you know, yelling for the cannons, uh, or the other whatever again, forge cleric or even any other cleric domain, meshing with that steel defender though to offer more support to the party. I think it's pretty cool. And I like the idea of that as well. I think looking at it, it makes a decent amount of sense to dip into cleric for almost anybody. Mm-hmm. And definitely for the artificer, right? You get a lot of front loaded shit. And, you know, we're talking about the forge domain, but the one level dip to get your plate armor is kind of worth it. Plus blessing of the forge. I mean, that's, Oh, one no, level, I, and I it's totally great. Agree. You know, I, you can focus Artificer and now have heavy armor and now have your plus one give up thing so you can have more of these invocations. That's like a really solid dip. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. You can get, I mean, Channel Divinity doesn't come until second level. Yeah. But still, and then you're also not just, you, you are progressing your spell casting more than you are regressing it like Cleric into Artificer. Uh, so, you know, you take one level and now you're getting a full spellcaster level as well as a wide berth of first-level cleric spells. 
which right. isn't going to be like overwhelming or game changing by any means, but maybe you weren't going the alchemist one and you can now get healing word. That's great. Great spell. Uh, bless. Bless. Really good. No, told the dead. <laughs> told the dead. The hell up. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I think, um, yeah, from a mechanical standpoint, you are very well within your rights as an artificer to dip into cleric. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense. Even at first level, any of the ones that give you the heavy armor are going to be good choices. Um, but even, you know, any other ones also are, are pretty good. The, uh, knowledge domain gets you a good bit of, I think just proficiencies and an mm -hmm. artificer does give off. This is less in a combat role. Um, but if you are trying to be the artificer who does have that, desire to learn and know everything i mean why wouldn't a god of knowledge come down and say like hey work for me and uh you know we're gonna we're gonna get through this bud uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just picturing like the artificer frustratedly working on something and the guy just behind him like hey you're doing that wrong like, what the fuck do you know like oh, i'm the god of knowledge so <laughs> <laughs> i can give you a hint right and to all the dead you just <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, so I, I really like the idea of that, a, a dip out of Artificer into Cleric. Knowledge domain makes a ton of sense. Um, you get, I think, three skill proficiencies and another, maybe a tool proficiency. But you get a, just a bunch of things like that. And then once you get your uh, channel divinity, you get the knowledge of ages, which lets you just gain proficiency in a skill or tool if you take 10, or sorry, for the next 10 minutes. Um, I mean, that's so fitting with uh with an artificer and i actually i was wrong blessings of knowledge is the first level knowledge domain ability and you learn two languages and you become proficient in two of the following skills arcana history nature or religion and your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you use that makes either of those or that uses either of those skills so just once yeah. again just making you a bit of a skill monkey uh it's interesting though those are intelligence and right that that's where it kind of burns you is like oh well, i don't have a high intelligence but as an artificer you would right or right at least, yeah i mean at least 13 right but probably higher uh, i think going any further than that at least for the knowledge domain reasons not gonna do too much for you sixth level you can read a creature's thoughts with your channel divinity it's nothing too special um and then at eighth level this one's kind of interesting because at eighth level clerics get uh, always this like same type of thing where they can add their wisdom modifier to, or, or I guess a D eight. Is it the other one? Yeah, they can add either a D eight or their wisdom modifier to a cantrip or a weapon attack. Uh, so that one's kind of interesting because I think the artificers at fifth level also get something where they can add to their spells. Like alchemists can add, their intelligence modifier to any healing they do or any uh, damage they do that's like poison or whatever. Artillerist gets it for fire damage and a couple of others, but those two do not overlap and can't overlap, which is a bit of a, a bummer uh, because right. the artificers specifically says that it needs to be cast with a, the tool as the focus. Uh, and then the cleric say it has to be a cleric spell, right? So you have to do like one or the other. So, I think that's that's one where I initially saw it and I was like, oh, cool. You know, at 13th level, you're getting an extra D8 and you're adding your intelligence modifier. No, no, it doesn't work out. Right. Actually. Yeah. One or the other, depending on what type of spot you're casting. Right. Yeah. 
backing up real quick on Reed thoughts. He said nothing special. I really disagree with that. Okay. Not in combat. But so I mean you could you could read thoughts and if you're as long as you're not just doing just like a generic dungeon crawl of zero role playing or social encounters, mm-hmm. that's gonna be useful. And then if you are successful with it, you could cast the suggestion spell. You could end it and cast the suggestion spell on the creature without expending a spell slot, and it automatically fails its save. That's a good point, actually. So that's actually really useful. Yeah, that is pretty good. That is pretty good. And then, you know, again, if you're going up at those cleric levels, then you're getting tons of spells. Spell slots for days. Yeah. That can be used on all of your artificer junk. You know, if you want to make, if you want to be the alchemist who just makes tons and tons of those potions, which is probably not a good idea, but you can do, uh, you can always take those levels into cleric. Uh, and now every single level you go into it, you're just getting more of those potions. Right. Hooray, potions, <laughs> random potions. Well, no, if you're spending I know, spell, I know. Yeah. If you're spending the spell, you can choose it. But you don't have to, do you? You don't have to choose it? Yeah, the chaos character? Yeah, chaos character. Nothing you do is decided by you. Well, that's what I was thinking of. Another one of these things is uh, if you did like a... uh, I don't know if our... I think probably the alchemist and the grave domain would make like a Dr. Frankenstein type character. That was what I was thinking. Uh, Because we did talk about the alchemist being like the, the kind of crazy scientist and just the person who's basically now... Uh, an absolute lunatic, but in charge of deciding uh, when and how people die, basically. Uh, could be pretty cool. And that did have some interesting mechanical overlap, uh, because the grave domain has the circle of mortality. And that says, uh, when you would normally roll one or more dice to restore hit points with a spell to a creature at zero HP, you instead use the highest number possible for each die. So that does cross over with the alchemist's ability to uh, add their intelligence modifier to health given, like when healing somebody. So it's kind of a specific scenario where this comes up. Uh, But I like that those two do actually have some some synergy so that if you're casting healing word on somebody who went down, you're giving them the max. So 1d4 plus your wisdom modifier because it's a cleric spell plus your intelligence. Oh, I'm sorry, actually. No, it has to be the artificer spell. Because the, the chemical savant yeah. requires you to use your tools, but the alchemist gets healing word already. So they can do this. Um, and again, gives 1d4 plus their intelligence modifier twice, basically. It's no life cleric level of healing, um, but it's pretty cool. Good way to get somebody up. If you're right. at 20 intelligence, you can use a healing word on somebody who's down and get them up to 14 HP or cast it at a higher level in each one. It's just an additional you know, D or uh, four, four health, which is nothing too crazy, but it's cool. Right. Um, but more than anything, I like the, the flavor of those two. Yeah. I like uh tempest domain with battlesmith just cause the tempest domain is about harnessing lightning and power storms and all that. And right. then, I mean the, the, your dog has a taser. <laughs> I, yeah. And also I just, I could see kind of flavoring. That's how you imbue it with life. The uh, steel defender mm-hmm. by, you know, you, you put electricity in it. <laughs> it's still more of that Dr. Frankenstein yeah, idea. Yeah, but exactly. No, it, yeah. I think it's that's totally fine. The The artificer gives you a bunch of room to work in that crazy scientist idea. Right. And the Tempest Domain gets their heavy armor. Um, and then if they're doing any sort of thunder damage, they can max it as the channel divinity. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so when you roll lightning or thunder damage, you use your channel divinity to maximum damage instead of rolling. Mm. Will that apply with the steel defender or battlesmith stuff? Are technically rolling the damage. I think it would. Arcane jolt. No, that's force damage. Oh, is no. that? Jolt isn't really a great uh, right. Yeah, great way to say. <laughs> I that, hate but. this game so freaking. <laughs> <laughs> you still also get the the wrath of storm though, which is just a a really good first level ability from the clerics, which is uh, you can. Use your reaction to deal 2d8 damage to somebody as long as they fail a deck saving throw. When you get hit, right? When you get hit, right. And you can use that up to your wisdom modifier, so it's not going to be a ton of times. But for a first level dip, just being able to do that, you're not using a reaction for too much else. Uh, So I I really like that. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't want to dip into Cleric if you were an Artificer. It's really good dip. Yeah. Just one for it. And then, I mean, artificers do get a lot better as they keep going. Do they get anything that's just necessary at later levels? Necessary, no. I mean, because their subclasses start to get to times where you might not get to those levels. Like 15th level is where the artillerist gets their second turret, um, which is absolutely awesome, but not really necessary or kind of expected to get to. I would say if you are getting up to level 20, I would probably cap myself off at fifth level cleric and then get to 15th level artificer over some other mix. Yeah. yeah. 20s decent. <laughs> the soul of artifice. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I think the, the <laughs> artificers 20th level ability is pretty defining. I, I don't know if I'd wait plus six to all of your saving. Throws. Right. So it's the soul of artifice. You get a plus one bonus to all saving throws per magic item. You are currently attuned to, uh, which should be six point, by that yeah. point. Uh, and if you're reduced to zero but not killed outright, you can use reaction to end one of your artificer infusions, causing you to drop to one HP instead of zero. You can do that for multiple times too. Right. I think it's say how many do you have a level twenty? Pulling it up. Hold on. I will say that it is Fused based items. on a reaction though. Six. So if you get like hit in one turn, right? Like, oh, that's gonna drop me to zero. I'm gonna use my reaction. The DM might be like like just like when an orc goes to their they go to zero and they're like oh i'm actually at one it's like cool it has multi-attack stop right <laughs> but you know it's still there and then how many you said infusions they'd have at that point six six okay yeah. so that's a lot it's still a lot yeah that'd be annoying as hell but you know you're probably not gonna get to that nobody gets to 20 no yeah <laughs> it's just like a huge chunk of the game why why bother <laughs> but i mean up to that point you know, at 11th level, they get their spell storing item, which we've talked about a ton before, just gives you a ton of uses of low level spells or a low level spell. Right. Uh, kind of hard to pass up if you're getting close to it. Magic item adept is the 10th level. You can attune up to four magic items at once. If you craft a magic item with a rarity of common or uncommon, it takes you a quarter of the normal time and it costs you half as much of the usual gold. I'd say that unless you were in the magic item shop campaign, it depends. That one might not be entirely necessary. Right. I think the nice the nice thing about a lot of these is it fits really well with the inbuilt progression. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to be able to attune more items as you get more infusions as you level up. So it's not like you're dying to have that. Right. So right. it makes sense. You can dip out anytime you want to be fine. Yeah. No, I think that's actually a really good point. I, there's not like a... 
a thing that's so defining. Even to a smaller extent, look at the uh, any martial classes where fifth level is going to give you multi-attack. If you dip out before then, you are going to notice a drastic power decrease. I think the Artificer lends itself pretty well to dipping out of. Mm-hmm. Not so much dipping into, <laughs> as, as discussed earlier. Okay. Right. No, it, it's pretty terrible. But heavy armor, is that's just baller. I think that would be a great combination with the Artificer. You're still stuck on that, the, the dwarf? God, the... <laughs> yeah, he's so cool in my head. And he would use guns, because fuck it. Yeah, that would have been a much better way to take Saucy. Yeah, but it wasn't there. Yep. He probably wouldn't have died to that beholder. No, he would have shot him right in the eye <laughs> with multiple cannons. And Kevin was like, this is bullshit. Ooh, would a beholder's gaze turn off the turrets? They're considered magical, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> probably. shut down all your shit. That'd yeah, that's awesome. a bummer. Oh, that'd be the worst. It's like an artificer getting looked at by a beholder would be a probably terrible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Every, all your, your watch stops working, yeah. your glasses turn off, and you're like, oh, fuck. All my magic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that at six level, artificers get their third uh, item that they can infuse and two more infusions known. Uh, that might be a pretty good jumping off point. Flash of Genius is nice. I like it a lot. That's where you can just uh, get what well, you can add your intelligence modifier to an ability check or saving throw uh, equal to number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. So that one's really nice. I could see foregoing that or at least delaying getting that flash of genius in order to pursue a different class. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you think of any neat or unique role-playing reasons? Yeah, that dwarf cano thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any bad ones is more the issue. Yeah. It's like nothing is like particularly jumping out. We've mentioned a couple already. I, I do like the idea of like the, the grave domain and the alchemist one where you know i think tying in the the god portion of it might be a little bit tough but yeah grave domain as a whole is just a bit of a weird one just hey it's you know my job to lead people on into the next life so great that's what you got i also do it with potions cool all right (laughs) you know that's something Uh, yeah that's that's my hang-up i think uh especially the cleric to artificer is not it doesn't really do much for me. And it doesn't, I, I'm struggling to think of why would they pursue this? I mean, we mentioned this, I think, in the, the Ranger Artificer, where Artificer is just kind of something that there's no reason you couldn't pick it up. If your character was like, ah, I just want to just, I'm interested in this thing. I'm interested in tinkering with the arcane in a way that I, you know, understand and unlock its secrets. So a lot of clerics might not really fit that nature domain, for example. Nature domain. I, I think even bother. life domain is like, yeah, it's one of those great examples where you're not going to learn anything from, you know, taking apart watches or whatever. Right. You already mm-hmm. have God on your side. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. So for the knowledge domain and forge domain, I think you're well within your rights. Arca- Arcana domain, um, also well within your rights to, to go into artificer. Otherwise, it's a little bit weird. This definitely fits much better as a god who understands that the artificer could be used to help them than the other way around, where the cleric thinks that tinkering is going to help their god. Yeah, I can see a lot of gods saying, no, no, yeah. no, <laughs> hey, no, no, hey, no, no, hey, you put that watch down. <laughs> this is doing? not a book learning church. <laughs> this is just believe me church. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Arcana domain, I don't think that's a really great cleric domain as it is. Nah, that one's good yeah. for you. But it's pretty fitting. Uh, but at first level, you gain proficiency in the Arcana skill and two cantrips of your choice from the wizard spell list, and they count as cleric cantrips. I don't really think that's too worth it. Honestly, Now that we have Toll of the Dead, no. Right. I honestly think that's probably one of the f- worst first levels uh, of cleric, because that is just pretty darn worthless um even their channel divinity it's not bad uh but it's basically like a powered up normal turn undead it just works on celestial elementals fey or fiends right campaign specific kind of very much Um, and and as it gets higher it's not a you kill them it's a you banish them for a turn right not a turn around a minute it actually works just like banishment okay it specifically says as in the banishment cell or spell so i believe that means that they are gone if you banish them if you concentrate for the minute no concentration required so they are just automatically gone if they are on a oh okay okay so it is actually pretty good but again campaign specific you know what this actually kind of fits with almost like uh Lovecraftian monster hunter who's getting rid of like otherworldly stuff. Okay. It, that expands it in a way that's interesting. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll give you that. It's just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but counter argument to that is that cleric by itself gets enough spell casting and just things out of their normal cleric progression, mostly spell casting, uh, to be worth it to go into with that alone. So Yes, it's probably better to go Tempest and get your heavy armor, but maybe you don't care about heavy armor. You don't want to worry about strength. You don't want to play a dwarf, which, you know, a lot of people don't want to do all of those specific things. Um, I could see going into it again to fit that character concept. And, you know, you're not going to feel like you're so far behind. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just always a good dip. Literally always. Every every single class should just do it. (laughs) trickery domain nope i couldn't really think of anything too interesting it's, it's such a hard one the trickery domain i feel like we've only had a good one for like rogue cleric and that was just obvious you know but beyond that no i wouldn't go into that other than that you've got the other mediocrity that is war domain yeah which doesn't not make sense it just doesn't make sense to do <laughs> <laughs> you get your heavy armor yeah but that's it. And if um, if you're just going for heavy armor, then just go for Forge Domain. It's just a better subclass. It's the yeah. I I really like that subclass. I always pick yeah. the best subclasses for myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the other one you you mentioned that Life Domain you think doesn't make too much sense flavor wise. Yeah, right. I do see the Battlesmith fitting into a Life Domain, um, going from the Artificer to Life Domain though, uh, where they because I've said this before, they they really have like a combat medic feel to them. Um, and mixing in that life domain could make a lot of sense where, uh, you know, they have a traumatic incident where they can't save somebody and they're like, oh, if only I could get more healing power. Well, life domain God comes down and says, hey, I can get you more healing power. <laughs> I'm sure he's used to that call a lot. Right. right. Oh, I want to heal better. It's like, oh, buddy, wait a sec. I got something. Right. <laughs> Look at all this crap. You just like heal for days. <laughs> So I get the other way around. A already life domain that fails to heal someone. Like, oh, if only I had a mechanical steel dog. 
just immediately starts drawing it. It would look exactly like this. If only that was an option. Why the floppy ears? Why not the floppy ears? I want them to calm people, not alarm them. <laughs> no, but it's it's kind of funny. Like the other way around does sound ridiculous. Right. Going from a life domain to that that battlesmith. You know, why would you? But the battlesmith lacks in those areas. Uh, it, it doesn't excel in any way. But then the life domain comes in, and now they're like, oh, I can do a lot of healing. <laughs> yes. And I get heavy armor. And I get yeah. heavy armor. It's such a good, it's such a good subclass for the cleric. It's just, if you really want to, nobody's going to stop you from ramming it into your weird class definitions. <laughs> Especially considering that you'll be healing them, so right. no one's going to judge you at right. the table. <laughs> so why exactly does your god give Shut you all up. these healing powers when you just kill people all the time? <laughs> Shut up, man. She gets like 40 healing out around. It's insanity. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't realize how crazy healing the life domain could do until we had one. Now that we have a life cleric, I'm blown away. It's yeah, too much healing. No person should have that much power. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> When preparing for this one, I fully read through it just out of the curiosity. Like, all right, have we been screwing something up? Because you, even with the life domain being out there, you still hear people talk about how healing within combat is not worthwhile and clerics should not focus on healing and it's just a waste. And that's the complete opposite of what we've been experiencing. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it really boosts up healing to a viable level. Yeah. It's fun. It's actually, yeah. it's it's brought a new play style to the table, right. which is, I like. <laughs> Just people dying and then not being dead anymore. No, people not dying. Yeah. It's it's not yo-yoing. There hasn't been any of that, like, you're down and now you're up. You're down, now you're up. It's like, oh, you're low? No, you're not. You're back up. You get the fuck back in there. And that's the thing right? is, when we do go down, you can bring them back up and not have them in the yo-yo Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the healing's gotten enough where it's... You could survive two hits. Right. Which is, you know, enough to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So that's been really fun. Yeah. So, I, again, I could see a reason that a battlesmith would go towards that. Um, and gets a lot just out of out of some quick dips. Up to second level, great. You've got some pretty good healing that you can throw down. Um, up to sixth level, now you're healing yourself a little bit. And you've got tons and tons of spells. And the channel divinity just gets better and better every single level. Uh, which cleric level? Every cleric level, yes. Okay. Um, which not many do. I mean, even looking at the uh, the Tempest Domain one, which is just you max your damage for thunder and lightning damage. That's it. Now, that's good. And as you're casting higher level spells, it's getting better. So there's still that. Um, but that one is the, one of the only channel divinities that I can think of that just increases every single level. It's five HP every single time for the cleric. Um, it's, right. it's really nice for the life domain. So, did we come up with a strategy? Do they have anything, the Artificer, that would allow them to wear heavy armor without getting that strength that isn't dwarf-based? Uh, there's a magic item. There's, like, a boots of stringing and spriting. Does that let you do that? Yeah. Because that's uh, one of the things that you guys currently have as a quest reward to pick up. Oh, man, we're all going to have to play it. <laughs> we got the money. Only one person can wear them. Um, I don't think... What if you wear one boot each? Then you can wear medium armor. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't believe that's one of the weapon or the items that they can replicate, though. Boots of speed? Nope, that's not stringing and springing and striding. And or, uh, like, oh, yeah, um, they can, actually. At 10th level, they can make boots of 
Striding and springing. Sorry, I mixed it up. So at 10th level, an artificer can give themselves heavy armor, even if they're not proficient. Or at least they ignore all of the negative aspects of not being proficient in heavy armor. Well, no. Proficient or the strength The strength requirement. The strength requirement, and it says that you don't get your speed reduced. That's the strength requirement. Yeah. Correct. Do you need to be proficient in it then to even just like put it on? No, I mean, you can just turtle up. You just can't do shit. Right. Like, I know, yeah, like you can't cast spells. I think all attacks are a disadvantage. You're right. Yep. I, no, you're you're definitely right about the spells that. thing yeah. at the very least. That'd be just so dumb. It's like, oh, you can't wear plate armor. Why? I'm not proficient in it. So, what happens when you put it on? It just bursts off your body. <laughs> no, yeah. Speed, speed's killed, and you basically can't perform as a combat person. Right. That's why it's great for the turtle strategy. <laughs> Um, okay, so if you do find a way to get that heavy armor proficiency, which we just gave a bunch of great ways to do, by level 11, you can make your own boots of striding and springing. And that solves and the heaven. issue of now, it's just intelligence and wisdom. Right. As opposed to intelligence, wisdom, and strength, which right. is a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's really easy to justify for an artificer to be wise. I know it sounds like we haven't talked about that at Definitely. all, but it's not like that's counterintuitive to an artificer they'd be wise and smart <laughs> especially if they go cleric so yeah the armor armor black so the armor proficiency if you wear something you're not proficient in you have disadvantage on any ability checks saving throws or attack rolls that involve strength or dexterity and you can't cast spells that involves strength or dexterity it makes a lot yeah. more sense. I thought it was going to be like, if you put on medium armor and you're not proficiency, you will get disadvantaged on all your history checks. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Could like a hexblade using charisma or Shillelagh. the, uh, <laughs> the artificer battlesmith using intelligence. Uh, what I'm thinking is because what they said is using strength or dexterity and you were replacing strength or dexterity. I don't know. It kind of just, yeah, to me, that's one of those where I think raw, it just shouldn't give you disadvantage, but like rules as intended probably should. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just or like yeah, Shillelay, yeah. <laughs> Artificer broke the game. I knew it. Shillelay monk to get rid of the speed bonus. I got this. <laughs> just to wear heavy armor. Not like there's fifty different ways to get that. Good to know though. So that's your path out of being a dwarf is the boots of striding and springing. That's a long wait to get there. And all that does is how with the speed. What is that? Is that isn't it? Is it something? Isn't Correct. it just a ten foot penalty? Correct. Yeah, it's a ten foot penalty if you don't have the strength requirement. God, Which you. honestly, you <laughs> might not care that, about. Yes, it's not that terrible. Like, well, yeah, if you're an elf, uh, what elf? Thirty five. They get thirty five. So then That's you reduce dwarf it by ten. Speed. Exactly. Yeah. Which was incredibly frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy and out of the best with your dwarf. How many times you needed just five more feet? It was. It was just nuts. Nuts. I'm convinced Kevin did that on purpose. <laughs> if so, kudos. Kevin he the dwarf should, hater. <laughs> he should have his speed feel like a limiting factor. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's also a thing that happens with monks is once you do get like, I've got 50 speed. It's like, what can I do with this? A lot. Like yeah. you don't realize how often it's just nice to be able to move 50 feet. Yeah. Or my current character is a tabaxi who has yeah. feline agility. So yeah, you could double your movement speed um, once per taking a turn of not moving yeah I hey, it comes up a lot <laughs> i really feel like that should be limited to a shorter long rest but who am i to judge i didn't do tons and tons of play testing and obviously wizards of the coast didn't either 
<laughs> I don't know if they play Toast of that one. But yeah, that it's very nice when you can just move 60 feet and then another 60 feet. Especially then as a rogue. Yeah, and then uh, dash as a bonus action so I can move 120 feet and still my whole action. Next campaign that's getting gimped to short short and long rests only. (laughs) Which is probably about how often you use it, to be honest. It's not like you use it every other turn. Right. It really doesn't come up unless you always have it. Like a monk. Right. But 120 feet in one turn is really really far yeah. <laughs> it's like obviously but you just don't then if i dash again as my action it's 180 it's not yeah. even that fast it like, isn't as a person no i don't know man. I don't, well I don't this think... isn't like full armor carrying weapons and stuff we're not like it's still not that like fast. on a track and you know shorts and running shoes <laughs> it's still not that fast man i'm still impressed i don't think i could do it i think what's the record nine seconds for 100 meters yeah, but sure. that's meters to feet. How are you supposed to do that math? I think there's a three involved, man. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're really bad at the metric system. Anyways, any other thoughts on Artificer Cleric? No, because I don't think that there's any like crazy synergy that's deeper than surface level. But yeah. it is all cool. Right. And I think you have tons of opportunities to make a really, really interesting character or diverge from a character if you're getting bored. If you're tired of playing an artificer and you want to try uh, something else or try throwing in a class, Cleric is a fantastic choice and you're going to get something out of it for sure. Right. Yeah. What we said before, I, I, I think this is unidirectional in my personal view. Uh, artificer is just enormously enhanced by a dipping Cleric. So it's pretty good. I like the flavor. I like the dwarf thing. I think the the only other one is you mentioned the Tempest domain. Um, in that same idea, I like the idea of the light domain just for like the idea of like breathing life into something through fire is kind of a, a common okay. overlap. Yeah, yeah. Also, if you mesh that with artillerist, then you're just getting a a fire artificer. Which, I don't know, once again, just kind of a cool imagery and to me, not much else. But I am just looking over my notes and seeing the uh, the Forge domain stuff again, and it's just ridiculous. Heavy armor proficiency, Blessing of the Forge, three cleric cantrips, full spellcaster level, uh, and the Blessings of the Forge God, which is just really cool. Yeah. You just have a Forge God who's literally like, yeah, man. You're blessed. <laughs> You're fucking <laughs> killing it. <laughs> Smirking at the DM every time he looks at your AC. <laughs> yeah, it's 23. <laughs> didn't help Saucy. No, because he didn't boost his decks. <laughs> Rip. All right, that's all I have for them. Maybe like a good exit for the end of the multi-class. There's never going to be one. No. And that's all for this week's multi-class. Next week's multi... I don't know. No, I, that's... that's All right. You're right. doesn't make sense. Just play another song, Gavin. Ooh, good idea. <laughs> Like something that we don't have the rights to, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a really popular <laughs> journey. <laughs> They're not litigious at all. Start playing Don't Stop Believing. Exactly. Yeah. That's the end of our multi-class. Just play Don't, don't stop, stop. And then we stop. And it's like, whoa. What?
That's the crazy. music said, "Don't stop." But they These guys anyway. must have gone to podcast school or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I majored in podcasting. Are we still going to use this? Or were we yeah, just... oh for sure. Oh god damn it! All right, well that's the end of our multi class. Don't, don't stop. But that, no, da, 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 da. you have to oh, oh, stop on stop. But it said don't stop. It's sorry. It's really conflicting. Once that's the fucking art. I understand that. I, when I we... think if we get believing out, that's when the, the threshold of getting sued, though. So <laughs> oh. you can't say don't stop anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty popular line in a journey song. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's move on into our uh, promotional minute, where we're going to talk a little bit about the Loot Tables Kickstarter. Uh, so Loot Tables is a, a company makes uh, handmade dice, some potion vials that you can use for healing potions. Uh, Which they, we have, and it's very satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Pop the cork off and dump it on the table. And you don't have to remember what's what each potion is. Yeah, it's I labeled. actually really like those. Yeah. Um, but they are starting a Kickstarter. So I guess I'm going to I'm gonna take back this up a little bit and read the bit that I have. Uh, so in our normal fashion, we can't just have a well-put-together <laughs> promotion. It's got to be Of course awful. not. So uh, this episode is sponsored by Loot Tables, creator of handmade dice, potions, tokens, and other tabletop accessories. Loot Tables is currently running their first Kickstarter for their Dual Vault system, a precision machined dice vault available in several different hardwoods to hold your dice, minis, tokens, or anything else you need. Uh, So they are starting a Kickstarter. I believe it's been going at this point for a week, so it should be in its first week. It is for dice vaults if that wasn't clear from what was just said they start at $22 um, they've got a whole bunch of stretch giveaway or stretch goals with giveaways and upgrades for these vaults uh, and Kickstarter exclusive set of dice with personalized engravings you know I actually might have misspoke there I think the personalized engravings are on the boxes not on the dice so they have Kickstarter dice and personalized engravings on the boxes that um, makes a lot more sense. It does make a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Usually if it was like our stuff, I'd just be like, oh, I just won't say anything more. But no. So they're really cool. Not just the products they make, but I have talked with people from Loot Tables before. They're really awesome. And again, we use their health potions because I really like them. <laughs> and probably going to be checking out these uh, dice holders as well. Upgrade from our, our current ones. So uh, yeah, go ahead and check them out. And now on to our Monsters of the Week. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Our bullshit. Follow us on Twitter. We have a subreddit. Review us where you can. All right. Now (laughs) on to our Monsters of the Week. (laughs) LootTables.com slash Kickstarter. Wait, what? That's not our stuff. That's not our stuff? (laughs) Everybody knows the fucking Twitter, man. There's a link. Yeah. Gotta say the link. Oh, okay. (laughs) HTTP colon slash slash (laughs) www no we will post links to those things though so check our twitter check our reddit which our twitter is monsters underscore multi which you should go follow of course and our subreddit is our monsters and multi class uh and of course if you would like to support us on patreon uh we have absolutely nothing to offer you besides our support uh and being awesome at it yeah love when kevin gives me that look of jared you fucked it up again (laughs) Well, yeah, the main thing with the Patreon is so, I mean, we've been doing this for over a year without any money. Um, we'll keep doing it. We've lived <laughs> on the streets for most of this. <laughs> the, the whole Sold it, our cars. The ultimate goal is to get to 
get these episodes transcribed, which opens it up to a wider listening audience. Um, it is easier for people to peruse it, reference it, and also then just from us, it helps us with our search engine optimization and just being discovered by other people. And it's kind of expensive to uh, transcribe an hour and a half podcast with three different people talking. That's our main goal here initially. So give us money. <laughs> this winter's been brutal. <laughs> if you could afford it. If not, if absolutely no problem. We understand, of course. Of course. Of Please. Course. So when I say that we don't have any Patreon tiers, that's because we don't want to split up the community just because somebody has more money than somebody else. It feels weird. So Yeah. God, we are so bad at being concise. Yeah, for sure. All right. But that's why we have a podcast, because we just talk <laughs> for right. as long as we want, and nobody can stop us, except for Journey. <laughs> Journey can stop us. <laughs> All right, are we ready for the monster? Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the orcs part two. Orc orcs. Orc orc. Zug zug. Never gonna get sued by Blizzard. <laughs> no, they. I found out that from Reddit all, of all places that they stole that from that weird movie that was made in the '80s about cavemen. It like made a feature length film about Neolithic man. Okay, and they were all like covered in hair, completely naked, and couldn't speak at all. <laughs> so you know, it was one of those films, and they called uh, sexual intercourse zug zug. Oh, <laughs> so thank you for illuminating my teen years. Reddit. <laughs> All right, this episode's monster is Orcs Part 2. Uh, last episode, we did Part 1. We did a real deep dive into the lore and Volos and the Monster Manual Orcs and stuff like that. So if you missed that, go check it out because we're not really going to repeat it all because it took forever. So now, the this episode, we are looking to dive into all these stat blocks and Volos, which adds a really interesting twist on the Orcs. The uh, There's a bunch of different gods in the orc pantheon and it seems like each god has kind of their own little stat block of an orc worshiper so we'll dive into that and talk about how to use them and all the cool shit we'll just start tap to bottom here uh first one is the orc blade of ilnavel hell yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah this is the uh the the battle captains um to i guess relate it back to a fighter or i'm sorry a, a pc class the uh battle master fighter would be a good example uh they're basically the the tactician uh you're not going to see a ton of them in a fight but they are not going to be on the back line either they uh rush up with the rest of the orcs and they can hit just as hard as the other ones uh but they have some small tactics here and there to to change up how they fight um more importantly, they are stronger than a regular orc, which if you listen to our last episode, you'll know that after a low-level encounter, orcs can get kind of tough to scale up. Uh, this is one that can definitely change up the feel of the battle and make it a lot tougher and, and interesting. Um, so, orc blade of level, armor class 18, uh, HP of 60, speed of 30. Uh, the stat block looks pretty similar to most orcs of strength of 17, dex 11, con 17, 10 int, which is pretty high for them, uh, wisdom of 12, charisma of 14, uh, get a saving throw for wisdom of plus 3. Uh, they are a challenge rating 4, which I probably should have mentioned that earlier. Uh, and they still get the aggressive feature, which 
as a bonus action, the orc can move up to its speed towards a hostile creature it can see. Um, every orc has that. Every orc yeah. has that. What most orcs, where most orcs have the uh, fury of Groomsh, this has foe smiter of Ilnivol. Ilnivol? Man, we've said it like six times and I still can't get Wait. it down. Ilnivol. Thank there you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, D&D Beyond. So this works the exact same though, where they just deal an extra damage die when it hits with its long sword attack. Uh, so this doesn't apply to all of their weapon attacks like the Fury of Groomsh does. Right. Uh, but this is nice because you can get more than a D8, uh, whereas Fury of Groomsh, is, you just get an additional D8. With the long sword, if you're using two hands, you can get an additional D10, uh, which is nice. D10s are great. Right. So for their actions, they get multi-attack, two melee attacks with its long swords or two with its javelin. And if it's... Uh, Ilnivol's command is available for use. It can do that as well. Uh, so the attacks are pretty obvious. Longsword plus five to hit. Uh, 2d8 if it's one-handed, plus three, or 2d10 if you're doing two-handed. Javelin, I'm just going to skip over because it's just like every other javelin attack. But the Ilnivol's command is a recharge ability, uh, which if you're not familiar with, uh, the creature does get it at the start of combat. And then if they use it, uh, every turn at the start, they roll a D6. And for this, it's recharge four to six, meaning if it gets, if you roll a four or five or six, it recharges and they can reuse the ability. This ability is they can choose up to three allied orcs within 120 feet that can hear it. And each of those orcs can use the reaction to make a weapon attack. So I like that because it is making one other orcs a bigger threat, uh, but also really adds to that that tactical feel for them. It's it, One thing to know is it any orc that can be very dangerous when combined with not the rabble of right, half challenge right. ratings. So I think that's and one of those things that could 120 get. feet. 120 feet that's, times three, yeah. you know, yeah. four to six recharges. That could get out of hand really quick if you don't yeah. take care of this guy. And I did actually use that and I had the war chief was still up and he was one of the orcs selected. Um, so yeah, that's a very good point is you want to choose whoever's going to do the most damage on that one, not just the, uh, the minions. Right. Yeah. This was a good one to kind of pepper in with other orcs, obviously to add a little tactical stuff and right. I think if you're tricky, if you just throw this one in like as a, like a, Oh, it's like a tougher orc. So it's going to be a, you know, just a one-on-one -on -one combat or whatever, you're not really going to notice much of a difference, to be honest, compared to uh, any kind of, like an OROG, for example. It's it's pretty similar to one of their stat blocks. Right. Um, but then, you know, once you see it kind of barking out orders and uh, commanding people to move over there, move over there, whatever, attack, you know, the spellcaster, um, that's where it becomes a little bit more interesting. And you can really, you know, get somebody surrounded and then they get, you know, beat into one round and they're like, oh, that really sucked. It's like, yeah, but now it's the Orc Blade of the Neville's turn and you're about to get three more attacks that you weren't expecting. Right. Uh, so it, it can be a very good way to surround and overwhelm a player very quickly. Right. Next up, we have the Orc Claw of Luthic. Uh, Luthic is Grimsh's wife and that's the god in the pantheon that's about procreation of the orcs to make sure... They actually have children, and the children are cared for, it and they grow up. Um, the Claw of Luthic is usually 
back in the they're like they're generally not going out in the battle they they're kind of like dead mothers they stay back deep within the tribe's home and care for the whelplings and all that sort of stuff um they're still pretty potent though and their art's really cool because they have like crazy long claws it's saying luthic often is presented as a bear like a cave bear so they will grow their nails out and paint them black to look like bear claws. So you just have these like big beefy female orcs with terrible. I didn't. Claws. It's kind of hard to notice, but it, is this like the first female orc art I've seen in this edition? I don't know I don't that know. I can recall. <laughs> like I looked at it for a good few seconds. I'm like, all right, those are deck probably boobs. Mm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell. But I mean, I guess I don't really. Ask the orcs. Yeah, we usually get around to killing them. <laughs> Which actually brings me to the question, when would you fight this thing? If you're uh, raiding their... Yeah. If raiding you, their breeding quarters. More importantly, if you're if you're going to, I guess, I want to say exterminate an orc tribe, honestly, or you piss them off and you are in their, their territory, um, it, it wouldn't be the frontline fighters by any means. It's going to be the... Uh, you've made it this far and the tribe has taken notice. Right. And they are primarily responsible for fortifying and maintaining a stronghold. They're also healers too. Right. So they could, they could definitely come up. Yeah. They're probably not going to be like out in the field raiding towns, but yeah, if you go to an orc stronghold, they'll be there. So the challenge rating two, 14 armor class, 45 hit points, pretty standard stat array, 14, 15, 16 strength, Dexcon. 15 wisdom, which is actually pretty high. Skills in medicine, survival, and intimidation. They have aggressive just like everything else. Uh, and then they do have their fifth level spellcasters. So if they save DC of 12 and plus four to hit. Which so, still isn't like too amazing. No. But what I do find interesting is that's higher than the Eye of Groomsh. Yeah. As like a spellcasting ability. So a little bit weird. Right. But yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, they have spells like Bane, Cure Wounds, Guiding Bolts. Be still cursed, great food and water. I mean, it's, a lot of it's out of combat. Um, yeah, augury, warding bond. Warding bond is actually that one's kind of interesting. I that one fits the flavor really well for like a right. dead mother. So, yeah, I actually so warding bond. Uh, I don't think that's one that a PC is going to basically ever cast. I, say, I don't actually know it, it's pretty infrequent, but that gives plus one AC. And I'm sorry, plus one to a target's AC and all of their saving throws and gives them resistance to all damage. But any damage they take, you take as well. So from a PC perspective, again, I don't really ever see that being a thing just because you're it just doesn't make sense. You're not going to like, oh, let's split the damage. Um, Yeah, but split or. It's really splitting it because you give them resistance and then you take that damage as well. Oh, okay. So resistance to all, all. Right, damage. right, okay. right. So you take 10 damage normally, split it to five. Now you're taking five and right. yes. But I really like it for the idea of a den mother. I mean, that's right. extremely fitting where they're going to make sure that theirs are protected, even if it means taking some of the hits. Um, I was actually kind of thinking that uh, our our life domain cleric, it kind of fits into her character. I wonder if she, if that's a cleric spell. I'm assuming yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's actually kind of the reason it doesn't come up a lot is you never are thinking in your head, boy, I wish the cleric was taking more damage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice if you could just like link two people where it's like, ah, the fighter and the barbarian. <laughs> Such a dick movie. Like, you too, that'll work. <laughs> 
What I do like about them, though, is for their multi-attack, mm-hmm. uh, they get two claw attacks normally, but if they're at fewer than half hit points, they get four claw attacks. And they're not weak ones either. It's not like right. 1d4. It's plus four to hit, reach a five, 1d8 plus two slashing damage. So that goes yeah, 2d8 plus two slashing damage or plus four normally. Uh, but under half HP, 4d8 plus eight yeah. slashing damage that's pretty intense yeah I, I like that of how it's less than half and they get their attacks kind of become like frenzy there's more of them that's not something you see too often i actually i really like that concept yeah. too i wish it was used a little bit more right overall like the entire the entire step block is just perfectly putting the flavor into mechanics yeah absolutely right i'd say it's also a little bit surprising that it's only a challenge rating too i think this is one that you wouldn't want only one of these in a fight only because they only have 14 AC and 45 HP. They're going to get ripped through pretty quickly there. Uh, But if you have two or three of them thrown in, or even maybe a fight specifically against these ones, as you are going through an orc layer, then I could see this being pretty interesting. Right. And it's also then supplement the orcs they are defending, like the orogs or something, because they could heal them. Right. That's a good point too. And, this also could be used as a, maybe even potentially a, a non-combat encounter where they are specifically like defending the Welplings as you go through a orc stronghold. And, you know, that kind of brings up then the, the instance of, do we just let them go? Because all they care about is protecting the Welplings here. Uh, or is your party going to kill the protector and then the orc children. It's a right. it's a great way to punish your party if they've been watching too much Goblin Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're probably going to think, oh, this will be, you know, an easy-ish fight. No, it's nah. going to be pretty hard. <laughs> You're ripping it. I wonder if that comes up as often in other people's games as it does ours. Goblin Slayer or Not murdering Goblin Slayer, babies? More the murdering monster babies. And then that's a strong word to put for the orcs. It's not fair, but you know, murdering something that you have accepted as evil, but as it's a child, it's like, I think that's like a very, very common, like, and really low hanging moral be, dilemma. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, how do I make my players feel bad? It's like, Oh, they're evil, but they're children. <laughs> <laughs> there is no right answer here. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like you guys have decided on a right answer because they usually just get. Yeah. Why? Well, I don't even, you've got a tabaxi who hates orcs and our elf is just like, Oh, it's fine. You need to beat her up more. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I can't. No, it's yeah. literally impossible. You have to get her on the anti-orc train. I, I'm not using that in my world. Okay. It, it's not like a necessary thing to bring over that elves and orcs hate each other. That's a lot of like specific Forgotten Realms lore that I'd have to adapt. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're bringing in gods that don't exist in your world. <laughs> right. Just to make that happen. <laughs> right. For like nothing. No, no benefit, really. Right. <laughs> they have their own thing going on. So. Those ones are cool. Next up is the Orc Hand of Yurtus. Yurtrus? Do the thing, Will. Orc Hand of Yurtrus. Yurtrus. Thank you, Matt Mercer. Uh, <laughs> Did you guys know we got him for the show? <laughs> <laughs> we just put him in the corner. We're like, Matt, can you please pronounce these monster names? We're so confused. <laughs> he has to hit the button, too. He doesn't remember. <laughs> I said like three hundreds of these in like an hour. (laughs) 
All right. So these are the uh, the priests of of orcs. Uh, they oversee the line between life and death, and uh, they also wear elf skin as gloves. Uh, it's just <laughs> the god is like an abomination of pestilence and boils and shit. But they're the god's hands are perfect and pristine and just like ivory pure white. So they wear these gloves to try and represent that. That's what that's about. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, still creepy. Yes. Oh, for sure. Super, yeah, yeah, super yeah. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are challenge rating two, armor class 12, HP 30. I'm basically going to skip over the this, this stats because that's just read them yourself if you care. Honestly, they're, they're a spellcaster, fourth level, DC 12 plus 40 attack. Uh, they don't really stand out too much to me. No. Um, beyond the fact that they have touch of the white hand which does 2d8 necrotic damage, which will be interesting and different after fighting a bunch of different orcs. Right. Um, but their spell casting is nothing crazy. They get Bane, which a bunch of other orcs have gotten, Detect Magic, which won't come up, Inflict like, Wounds is pretty okay. good. Yeah. But with only plus four to hit, it might not happen, to be honest. Right. Um, but they'll try, and I think yeah. that that's enough. Blindness and Deafness is really good. So I could see them kind of just being on the outskirts of things. Uh, they have silence as well. So they really can shut down spell casting. Yeah. And I, maybe that's their, their really where they fit into all of this. Is that if you have spell casters who are just bullying these orcs, these are the things to come in and just shut that down. Silence has no save, um, but blindness and deafness do. Still going to ruin a spell caster's day. Right. So what's the deal with these guys not talking? Do they not talk? Common orc understands but can't speak. As befits followers of a god who doesn't speak, hands of... Oh, they don't have tongues. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hands of your truce remove their tongues to emulate their deity. For a reason similar to why an Eye of Groomsh puts out one of its eyes. Oh, okay. I feel like that's a real raw deal, though, because the Eye of Groomsh is like, oh, I still got another eye. Until he doesn't. Okay, yeah, until he doesn't. But these guys just take out the tongue right away. I mean, these are the creepy. Oh, I'm not saying anyways. it's not I mean, fitting. They're, they're probably like into it. Actually, the fact that they cast silence is pretty funny. Yeah, but yeah. do any of those spells have a verbal component? It requires no verbal components to cast its spells. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, no, yeah. I like it. This is great. That's a, yeah, it's at least flavorful. Yeah. So again, is that one going to be the, you know, crazy fight your party's been looking for? No, no, but throw it in with a couple of other things and you're having yeah. a much more difficult fight. Yeah, and also you're going to, like, I think most players aren't aware of all these different types of special orcs. So they might go into thinking, all right, this is just going to be straightforward orc fight. And then, wait, that one's like doing necrotic damage and inflicting wounds. And I'm now have Bane cast on me and that one's curing or what the hell is going on. Oh my God. What's running towards me. That thing is covered in boils and looking <laughs> like it's about to explode, which brings us to the orc nurtured one of your truce. Uh, so this thing is absolutely disgusting. Basically the, uh, the, your truce, the hand of your truces, uh, will take in sick orcs or find them with disease and just, make the disease progress to a point where the, they just, they accept the orc's not going to live. They don't care. Uh, but they want to use it as basically a bio weapon. Um, so this thing is very, very weak. And there's a reason for that. 
Uh, armor class of nine, HP of 30, challenge rating one half. It, of course, has aggressive, so it can sprint a solid 60 feet and then dash to, uh, I believe, yeah, it would be yeah 90 feet in a turn. Um, but it has, well, we'll save this for the end, but claws, of course, it can do some claw damage. 1d4 plus 2 and then 1d4 necrotic damage. It's something. Uh, and then a corrupted vengeance. The orc reduces itself to 0 HP, triggering its corrupted carrier trait. Interesting. I don't think I can think of any other monster that has a ability to reduce itself to zero HP. Electrode. <laughs> is that is that uh, is that a monster? Is that a pocket monster? Oh, well, a pocket monster. Okay. <laughs> so corrupted carrier. When the orc is reduced to zero HP, it explodes, and any creature within ten feet of it must make a DC thirteen con saving throw. On a failed save, the creature takes forty six poison damage and becomes poisoned. On a success, the creature takes half as much damage and isn't poisoned. A creature poisoned by this effect can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, and in the effect on a success. Uh, while poisoned, the creature cannot regain HP. So this is one that's going to be really good to bring in either early on in a fight, really, or just, I can think of a million ways to use this thing. Um, so first thing is just how they use it, which is usually at the start of attacks against other cities or tribes or whatever, they send in these things to just explode as close as possible and spread disease within the enemy. So that is a great way to do it where your party's, again, going through this or going through really anything. It doesn't have to be through the orc lair like some of these other ones. And just one of these disgusting orcs just looking like it's about to burst is just charging towards the party. And that's going to be a little confusing. And if they're a bit distracted, uh, they might not have the time to kill it before it runs 90 feet towards them in six seconds. The... Other way that I'm thinking you could use it is if it's like more near the end of a fight and your party's starting to get pretty low on health. If you send this thing in and everyone's expecting to be able to heal back up if somebody goes down, that's going to cause some problems. Just sprint right. in there, explode. Now everybody's poisoned and dead. Right. <laughs> that's a very good chance of a TPK there if you use that thing correctly. Right. Yeah, since you can't regain hit points if you poison them this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we briefly touched on it last episode when we were talking about the god in more detail, but homebrewing this a little bit so it's not poisoned, but attach a specific disease to it that infects your party that's not just shrugged off by passing the save. Mm-hmm. Just to add that extra element to it. Now this kind of long-term effect or knowing how important it is to take these things out yeah i think it's really easy to not give your players an opportunity to do that and i always think that's kind of a mistake like getting every single person on the dragon's breath it's tempting right but it's not necessarily you shouldn't abuse your advantage as the all-knowing dm so i think the interesting thing is this will you can blow this up in an orc camp right so that would be an interesting strategy for your players once they learn what this thing does. It's oh, like, man. We're going to go find the pit of nurtured ones and blow them up. Because, I mean, the orcs are still going to get sick from that. You yeah. Know, there's a reason they sequester them and turn them into bombs. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, that's also like they're these are the flaming barrels of D&D. Right. In orc camp. <laughs> I, I like the idea of using this as a random encounter. 
totally separate from any other bigger orc plots. Maybe it leads into that. I don't know. But literally just your party is walking along a dirt road and they just see a boiled, disgusting looking thing just charging towards them. And like before they even know it, the thing's just right in their face and then just explodes and covers them in this. And it's just like, uh, what do we do now? (laughs) And then, you know, start to realize that one or two of your people is poisoned, has some disease, like you mentioned, that's outside of this poison that takes a little bit more to cure. Um, Could be just kind of interesting. Yeah. A cool introduction to an area and like a mini arc Mm -hmm. in a campaign where there's this plague going around. This thing stumbles out of the wood, kind of confused and runs up to you and explodes and nothing immediately happens to you. Not sure that was about that was weird. Then you go on and like you're finding some diseased animals in a village, which is now there's no one left. There's some corpses on the ground. Um, This orc encampment where they're at war with themselves and trying to like fight off who's diseased and who's not. And it's kind of setting just setting that initial stage. Definitely. And then you need a one who's like, okay, did that thing just give it to us? Yeah, whatever this is. Right. And I I really like that. I think at that point, it doesn't even need to be an orc. You can just steal this stat block for literally anything else. It's like a cooler form of like a a zombie plague, basically. Yeah. But it's an explodey one. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking like uh, just a really one of those bad DM moments where they decide zombies operate like movie zombies. So that anybody who takes damage from a zombie is like instantly dead and becomes a zombie. <laughs> it's like, what? That's great flavor. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that one is super cool. The nurtured one of yeah. your truce. Next, the orc red fang of Shargas. Come on, Will. Orc red fang of Shargas. 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 From now on, can we say, please, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> please, Matt. <laughs> Uh, so Shargas is the orc deity of uh, deep darkness and sneakiness. These are the ones that has the assassins and kind of pull strings behind the scenes. The followers of Shargas are kind of looked down upon because orcs are supposed are more about facing things head on and overcoming things with their might and ferocity. But they're kind of kept around because of the necessity. The orc red thing of Shargas is... But they're particularly high up, right? Yeah, they perform assassinations, stealthy raids, and other covert operation on the tribe's behalf. The orc assassins. Yes, and they also have giant bats. And they have giant bats. Yeah. Yeah, these ones are challenge rating 3, armor class 15, 52 hit points, stealth plus 5, so they're going to be sneaky. They're kind of like rogue orcs. They have cunning action, exactly how it works for a rogue, whereas a bonus action, dash, disengage, or hide. Hands of Shargas are basically their version of sneak attack. The orc deals an extra, two extra dice of damage when it tar- hits a target with a weapon attack. Slayer is just the assassin yeah. ability ripped. In the first round of combat, the orc has advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken a turn yet. If the orc hits a creature that round who is surprised, the hit is automatically a critical hit. Right. and literally the assassin ability. Yeah, and then the uh, Shargas's sight where they could see magical darkness. Oh my god. Which is really nice. Yeah, I skipped over that. Yeah. Because they can cast darkness (laughs) without any components. Uh, So, Will, uh, have have you heard of casting darkness and then being able to see in it and then... That sounds people. like a viable strategy. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to investigate a little more. <laughs> so their actions, they multi-attack. They uh, make two Simtar or dart attacks. Simtar, 3d6 plus 3 slashing per hit. So it's actually even better than a uh, sneak attack because it's not once per turn. Mm-hmm. So It also doesn't need the setup of sneak attack. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, so like their scimitar, if they both hit, it's 66 plus 6 damage, which is lots, plus 5 to hit. Their dart is 3d4 plus 3 piercing with a range. And then they have the feel of Shargas recharges after short or long rest. I think it's um, Bale. Bale. Yeah, they say Beal. <laughs> <laughs> the lamb of Shargas. <laughs> that funny. actually, the lamb of Shargas kind of fits. Yeah. Anyway. Veal does not. No. <laughs> the pork loin of Shargas. <laughs> The Veil of Shargrass, thank you. Uh, yeah, they get to cast Darkness without any components. Yeah, so they can cast Darkness, just do whatever they need in the Darkness. It's going to be a bad time for whoever's in there. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. This is one that could be a solo fight. Yes. Uh, because, and it, it's not going to be, you know, absolutely killer by any means, but if your party is just keeping watch throughout the night, They've been causing problems for some orcs, or maybe they just got a little too close to the orc encampment. Out of nowhere, you know, they, they fail their perception roll because this thing's being stealthy. Then it's complete and total darkness, and this guy just comes in with a scimitar and just obliterates that person. Right. Uh, it could be really, really fun. Yeah. This is also a great way to add, if you are doing some kind of, you know, kind of a little bit derivative. Oh, protect the prince from the orcs. Oh, yeah. Like, this is easy. We're just going to lock ourselves in somewhere. The orcs are just going to batter down the door, and we're going to shoot them from the arrow slots. It's like, wait a second. No, you got an assassin now. Right. Right. Who has a giant bat? That's not in the stat block. It's but not. That actually kind of disappointed me. I was hoping for yeah. something. You just mount them on a giant bat. There's our, I'm pretty sure they're giant bat, bat stat blocks. Oh, okay. I think. They're, I think so, too. I looked Either this way. up recently. It's not that hard to put them on something that has a flying speed. Right. And it's picture, it's art's really cool, where it's um, clearly like a castle tower, and it is on a giant bat, which has hung itself over the window, and it has a scimitar about to launch itself in to do exactly what you just suggested. Yeah, so it definitely works on a protection mission. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't want it to be related to orcs in any way, um, this can just be an orc assassin who's for hire for from any other group that you want it to be from right it's a really cool assassin stat block it uh, is that you could use there so giant bad for the record 22 hit points 13 ac 60 foot fly you know this is not exactly a heavy hitter challenge no. one fourth but complete blind sight as oh. bats are want to do so right. they can right. use that yeah. darkness and that 60 so. foot fly speed i assume it's large mm-hmm. yeah but again i don't think the idea is that the bat's going to be doing too much of the legwork here it's the getaway. It's the thing that helps you swoop in at night. It actually would make a really good getaway. It's a little bit weird, like creating a sphere of darkness to fly away on to hide, but it worked fine. Yeah. You just yeah. cast it on your saddle or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then he escapes. Never getting caught. Mystery never solved. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Especially because, oh my gosh, you know, if it doesn't go well for the party... Uh, in the scenario you set up, Will, it's going to be complete and total darkness. Your party's like, what the heck's going on? This guy comes in, takes whoever the heck he needed to take or kill, whatever, and then just leaves before they even see what happened. They don't know who did it. They don't know what's going on. That'll be definitely some scary thoughts for them. Just like, what happened? There's We got totally outplayed. Which normally doesn't happen. I like it. I like the flavor. Me too. Mm-hmm. All the flavors, great. Of no, they did a great levels, job yeah. creating like a real war party out of this simple stat block that is the orc. You've got right. your captains, and you've got your support. You've got just like this crazy, well-defined 
hierarchy of orcs to throw at your party. For sure. And then the last one, Tanaruk. Matt. Right, Matt. It's going to be the woman this time that does it. Let's find out. Tanaruk. 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 Yeah, I would I not like have it. gotten that. No. That's good. That's good. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> We're getting in trouble for this too. <laughs> I don't think we can. It's nah. worth it. <laughs> we're not really. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I think we're crediting them just fine. <laughs> D and D Beyond you could, has a little pronunciation thing for the monsters, and Matt Mercer or a couple other people will read them. That's what we're doing. Yup. Anyways, yeah, Tanaruk. Tanaruk. Yes, this is when uh, demonic corruption takes tribe of a takes hold of an orc's tribe or leadership, which. Uh, it's usually the Demon Lord of Baphomet, which we're not really going to the Demon Lords now, but that's the uh, the bestial one, if I remember correctly. They'll corrupt unborn orcs, and instead of a baby orc being born, a Tanaruk is born, which are even savage compared to orcs. Like, orcs look at a Tanaruk and think, whoa, you are unruly and too <laughs> savage for us. You need to chill out. <laughs> And usually does not go well. They are stronger than all of the other orcs. They hit like a truck. They're pretty scary things. No one could really take advantage of them. What I find interesting, though, is Baphomet will gladly share with evil humans and others of that like of how to actually create Tanaruks so they could try and get them to bolster their numbers. But it also goes on to say it usually does not work out for that human's favor because it really takes someone extremely powerful to actually control them. Right, right. These are challenge rating five, which does officially make them the highest challenge rating on the stat blocks. The other next highest is four, uh, which are most of the ones in Volos here. 95 hit points, 14 armor class, um, yeah, 18 strength, 20 con, nine in all the regular stats and the mental stats, 13 in dex. Little disappointed there's no saving throws to this one. Yeah. I feel like a, a strength would, or con yeah. even, both of those would be very fitting. Yeah. Uh, it is officially a fiend. It's not a humanoid orc. Um, so it does have damage resistance to fire and poison. Dark vision, passive perception. Yeah, it speaks abyssal when that comes up. It has aggressive, just like all the other orcs. Magic resistance, so it has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. That l- alone bumps it from a 4 to a 5 challenge yeah, rating. for sure. Um, then it's actions. Multi-attack makes two attacks, one with its bite and one with its greatsword. Its bite is plus 7 to hit, 1d8 plus 4 piercing damage. And its greatsword is plus 7 to hit, 2d6 plus 4 piercing damage. Slashing damage. So it's really, damage-wise, not as much as yeah, some of the other Yeah, I said ones. it hits like a truck, but it's actually not. That was an exaggeration. Like a, you know, and Ford truck. <laughs> like, I was going to say, no. It like hit, a Ranger, you know? <laughs> no, not even a truck. Uh, it hits like a practical, ton. like, sedan. Oh, okay. <laughs> One of the like new a Toyota ones, Camry. Safety. It hits right. like a Toyota Camry. <laughs> it's like, you know, it'll get the job done. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's trying to meet some safety standards. Yeah. That's what I think when I walk into a toy dealership. Will this Camry get the job done for what? You know, like hitting people with it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Specifically adventurers. <laughs> They're not really people. You know, armored athletic guys. <laughs> and it does have its unbridled fury reaction. Where, so in response to being hit by a melee attack, it can make one melee attack with advantage against the attacker. The advantage part definitely makes yeah. that pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I don't it's, know of a good reason a like a party's going to fight this thing. Because most of the time they they don't even want these things to get born at all. Like a war chief finds out that a Tanaruk 
gets born and most of the time they're going to be like yeah let's kill that thing that's a really bad idea to just leave that laying around <laughs> um but even if it does get powerful it's like it's going to cause a lot more problems for the orcs than it does for i guess the party as i'm gathering right and it's not so powerful that like a orc war tribe will not be able to overcome it yeah it specifically says like you know sometimes the tana tana rook uh will stage a coup and it usually fails but then it just gets killed and kills a bunch of orcs which right i don't know it's like kind of weird but there are the occasional times where it does seize leadership of a tribe and then it says reckless war is the course it inevitably chooses now that's where things can get interesting because as the dm just because it says it doesn't usually happen i mean that means that you can make it happen right i'm the dm i said it does but (laughs) then you get a orc tribe who normally is pretty reserved and they they raid when they need to when people have just kind of accepted it and it's not like a big enough problem but now it like their curiosities just increased and this thing is at the, the, the head of it all. Right. So, could be interesting. Yeah. But it is actually kind of boring to that block. I don't, did you hype it up too much, Kevin? Yeah, I did. So <laughs> let's type it back down. <laughs> let's, uh, let's tie it back into though, with it being the chieftain, it would have these other stat blocks to bolster it, you know? So it's going to have the, uh, here you go. The nurtured one of your truce, those explodey guys. Yeah. Uh, so this thing's resistant to poison. Okay. So the town of Rook is just going to be surrounded by these things <laughs> and it's going to use them as the flaming barrels, but it's resistant to that damage. Right. It's not immune. So it might take some, uh, but it's also probably going to pass it safe. Cause I believe it's, is it uh, constitution savings throw of 13. Yeah, so it is plus five. And it's, that. yeah. So, and then it's going to take two D six and then that, resistant to that as well right so i could very well see this thing just like standing there and basically just like grabbing one as the party comes close and just like stabbing into it and just like boom right. causing it to explode or you know whatever else also having the the magic users around to bolster it and it would be a very different dynamic where the war chief you'd expect them to be kind of working with the rest of the group this thing would be almost throwing other orcs at the party as if it's like just does not care about their lives, which most right. of the time, it, you know, no orcs do. That's the whole point of them. But this even more so where it's just like everything at the party to keep itself safe and then running in and cleaning up the mess. Right. And you've always got the situation where these things are demonic incursions in their own way. They don't really happen naturally. If the demon lords were like, you know what, I'm kind of bored. I'm going to create a bunch of Tanaruks or I'm going to create an entire warband of Tanaruks or mm-hmm. something like that. They can pop up. The only issue is they are kind of boring and you can't really toss the other stat blocks on them to right. them. Right. It doesn't right. make sense to like mix this with the uh, the Luth- Luthic uh, den mother in any way where you're like, oh, I'll give him, uh, you know, bestow curse. No, you're not. Right. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I could see if he is the war chief of the orc tribe, the one where he could command, uh, give advantage to the other orcs. Yeah, definitely. That around or... him, but that's it. But like, even the extra damage, it's like, it's a Groomsh. I could see Groomsh saying, no, that's no. not an orc. Yeah, no, no, no yeah, it goes in, <laughs> sure. in, in the lore, the, the gods of the orc pantheon hate these things. They see him as a, an abomination. And they are. Yeah, they are. 
So that wraps up all of the orcs and volos. As usual, volos, they just add a lot of depth to the kind of the vanilla cannon fodder, fodder creatures that most people just kind of use interchangeably. Yeah, I feel like we really slept on Volos for a good amount of time. And anytime somebody asks, like, oh, what's your favorite book? It's always like, well, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes because it added just like a ton of these high level monsters and really right. good flavor behind them. Um, but Volos, every time I read one of these like bigger portions, it's like just blows my mind at how underutilized some of these creatures are. For sure. Uh, I know we've covered hags, orcs, goblins, which I mean, that alone was like 10 episodes. The Goblinoid series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just mean like all of what we just discussed. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's all of them are great. I, what are the other kobolds? Ones? Kobolds we discussed as well. Is there any left that we have? Giants. Oh yeah. Giants. Ah, that's the one we keep avoiding because there's so many. of them. Yeah. People want us to talk about giants. We've gotten a couple. I know. There's just so many. We've talked about beholders as well. Yeah. We talked about gnolls. We've actually made it yeah. through every one of these besides mind flayers, Yuan-Ti, and giants. Okay. So we're yeah. most of the way through Volos. That's it. Yeah, mind flayers and Yuan-Ti would be good ones. And then giants is going to have to be kind of broken up over multiple. <laughs> we're just going to keep kicking, <laughs> it up. kicking that can down the road. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well. Because, I mean, well, you got hill giants, stone giants, fire giants, Frost giants. Frost giants, cloud giants, and storm giants. Yeah. So there's six. And each one of those has like a good handful of stat blocks and things in it. Besides hill giants. Hill giants yeah. has one pumpkin eating monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> we have literally all the minis too. So. Just like go. 20 pumpkins. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get to giants at some point. Yeah. I know, I know people want us to talk about giants. We don't want to talk about giants. <laughs> But I do, I do, because I, I ran all of Storm King's Thunder, and I, it'll be fun to kind of reminisce on how boring those fights were in comparison <laughs> to how they would be now. Oh, man, I don't know. They're still kind of dull. <laughs> you hate giants. But this isn't the giant episode, so we'll talk about it in Monsters and Multiclasses, big giant episode, where we're going to have one episode where we just talk about giants. Like that it. would be a way to just knock it out. There you go, <laughs> see? Like, no multi-class or anything, just... All right, a consideration. There you no go. No promises. <laughs> it's going to be six hours long. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess then uh, we don't have a good segue for this. <laughs> Unlike everything else, we have great segues. <laughs> but let's turn to a uh, a, a question from uh, how long of one do we want? Not super long. We're at an hour 40. Not super long. Uh, we've got one from uh, Brain Gamer 12 why are my players so chaotic? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> because you haven't broken them. <laughs> this is going to be quick. Um, so why are my players so chaotic? Probably because you haven't introduced real consequences to their actions. I have sure. had issues with players being a little bit too chaotic and wanting to do whatever they want and thinking that it would be funny. Um, if that's not the type of game you're trying to play, then establish that first. And that should be very upfront with your group. And then if they do something stupid, punish them <laughs> in game, of course, yeah. not out of game. Right. Um, but my, you killed the guards. So I slashed your tires. I don't know why you're mad. <laughs> 
to give my example of this. Uh, so my players were playing Waterdeep Dragon Heist, uh, and I had established this was going to be a relatively serious campaign because that's the type of games I like to run. Uh, they were walking through the streets and a robbery was occurring. And one of them looked to the other and they said, we should do a counter robbery, which was them walking in and saying that they were robbing the place while other people were robbing it. I guess it's from Pulp Fiction, maybe? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Maybe another Tarantino movie. I don't remember. Definitely not Pulp Fiction. Okay. Um, only seen it once. Point. So they ended up just escalating the situation obviously turned into a fight in the middle of this clothing shop accidentally set the clothing shop on fire uh, because they started casting fire spells in a clothing shop and (laughs) barely saved the shopkeep ended up killing two of the the thugs and then guards showed up and they're like hey you burned down a shop and you killed two people and they're like no 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 we were stopping a robbery um, so that's where we stopped the session and basically like dra- dragged them to the cells and and had like a whole thing play out, put a monetary uh, fine on them because, you know, oh, it was in self-defense. So I guess there is a reason for them to kill him. But anyways, to some people who are listening, they're probably like, wow, that sounds absolutely awful. They tried to do a fun counter robbery. You should have let that happen. <laughs> uh, and that's again, that's fine if that's the type of game you're going to play. But your players are going to be chaotic. Somewhat good, right. somewhat bad. It's just about the tone you're trying to set. Right. Um, and it was actually really good for the party. We still laugh about it. We're still friends, just barely, but we're friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they were like, oh, yeah, I guess we did kind of go off the rails there. And then everything was fine after that. Yeah. Just setting expectations, showing that, yes, they're real world real world quote consequences right, right. Well, that's the, po- the, that's the important do, distinction yeah. when you and this is all this is pretty common with new players less so with experienced players when you say you can do anything you aren't lying but you can do anything in the real world but we don't do a lot of things because <laughs> we have you know decades of learning you know there are consequences so right. you do have to almost train these people from birth like over time with punishment and you can do it violently in this world <laughs> right you know you can kill them you can kill people for doing things that are dumb that's the beauty of D. yeah and there's i think it's also worth noting sometimes you'll see this kind of thing and just, some people just don't have fun playing D in a way that most people would enjoy right so you know if you have a chaos player maybe they just aren't having fun and this is their way of doing it maybe D is not for them yeah for yeah, sure or that sure. table yeah, yeah, or maybe. that table. You know, yeah. maybe they need to find the chaos table. Yeah, evil Which, campaigns are great. <laughs> yeah, and it's fine. It's where, where I struggle though. So you have, you have a table mainly serious people, and then the the one chaotic player who's not okay to play that way, but keeps trying to force it. Uh, right, things it just kind of ruins it. Right, and, you know, like, and, then, and then like ultimately, like you, the party rejects them, and I've even like heard about where the party will kill them, or we, how we did that once. We we. Ended up fighting. This is a long time ago. I don't know if you were. I'm trying to it. remember it, but I can't. Right yeah, now. it's um. We ended up hunting this character down and bringing them to justice, where they got hanged. That was not me. That was before me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then they came back with another character pulling the same bullshit. And it was just like, <laughs> like why are you playing with us? You're not right. Having right. fun. Yeah. You know, so just a matter of setting expectations and all that. Obviously, in this specific person's case, I, we don't know why they're chaotic. We're no. just talking in generalities here. Of course. And if you're asking, like, in a way where you don't want them to be, that's definitely a place to look. 
Give them consequences. Honestly, I assume that they were mostly just joking. Probably. Um, <laughs> but it, it does bring up a good yeah, question. A That's, good talking yeah, point. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, chaotic players are interesting. And it takes a real socially adept person to actually play chaos without annoying your entire party. It's knowing when is it okay to go outside of the rails to that extent, like outside right. of the normal acceptance. Otherwise, again, if you piss them off too much, then you're either going to get three people who are fed up with you or the other way around, which is turning everything chaotic. And then the DM sitting there like, this isn't what I wanted to play at all. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I know you like I, I asked it so bluntly at first so you guys would just like shrug your shoulders like what do you mean why your player is so chaotic but I had something like, planned. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. So uh, that is our show for today. Yeah. Kevin, take it away. He even rhymed it, man. Yeah. That, that was like too good. Too I had to ruin it. With oh. a pause. I would know I was actually gonna say <laughs> that a few hours. <laughs> You too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if there's anything, uh, any questions you want to ask us, any topics like that you want us to dive into at all, hit us up on Twitter or Reddit. You can find us by Googling or at monsters underscore multi or r slash monsters and multi-class. Send us a smoke signal. Yeah. Whatever really yeah. floats your boat. It's not yeah. our problem. Yeah. Right. And now. I can't. I don't remember what I said. Seriously, that was our episode today. Bob. Kevin, take it away. <laughs> yes, that was it. Right. That was our episode today. Kevin, take it away. Thanks for listening. I feel like I needed to rhyme it. No, no, it's okay. I, I don't think you, you need can't to rhyme two things, man. If you rhyme three in a row, it, it just sounds gross. <laughs> Next time on Monsters and Multiclass, join us as we discuss the cleric druid multiclass and then the Draco Witch from probably the Monster Manual. Or Morning Game. Or one of those books. One of those monster books. You know, you guys, you all got them. We all got the monster books. Do the monster book. You did the book. The, the monster, monster book. book. The monster book. I can't think of a... Anything else? Graveyard smash. It was a dungeon smash, you It idiot. was a dungeon ah. smash. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's where we'll end the episode. <laughs>